0: If you're someone who struggles with procrastination and then followed by binge productivity or insomnia, overthinking, people pleasing, the inability to say no, difficulty setting boundaries and a true difficulty being in the moment, you may suffer from high functioning anxiety. I'm a therapist and I'm going to tell you why that might be and what kind of anxiety we're actually dealing with here. The reason why it's called high-functioning anxiety is because you've learned to adapt and function highly or function and make yourself feel and make others maybe feel like you don't have anxiety because, look, you're getting everything done, you're high-performing, you're doing everything well, or you're achieving things, you're successful, and so how could you have anxiety? This type of anxiety is particularly troublesome because it's often a sign that there was childhood trauma. Uh, childhood trauma will lead you to feel like you need to be doing these things, like you need to be perfect, like you need to please, like you need to constantly be in survival mode because you... You never felt safe in your childhood. Yeah. Double homicide. Good. I'm 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 sorry. To have a dash a.k.a. AKA White, a.k.a. Double Homicide. I'm back! Yes! I'm back, I took me an extra little week. I was on some bullshit last week, I'm not even gonna lie. Like I can make it sound like I was on some extravagant retreat. I mean, I guess part of me was, like, I needed to get back in my bag, You know, I needed to be home, rested. You know, water my plants and just watch some TV. Watch some really bad TV. Like I hadn't consumed that much media. Um, I haven't consumed. I hadn't consumed that much like TV. In the past, like month, like I would say in March, I didn't watch that much TV. I was like, I watched like Law and Order, you know. Or it was at April. Whenever Stabler came back, um, I watched. But, like, ultimately, I wasn't in my bag like y'all, like, I can be. And plus, there wasn't that much out. Like, there wasn't that much I was excited about. So, I you know, whatever. But, bitch, last week, I watched all of my shows. I watched Netflix's... Um, what shadow and bone, which is basically a story about somebody, you know, not trusting like someone. The lesson of that is to not trust niggas. In short, don't trust men. Like that's the lesson you get. You might can trust one, but especially when somebody mama say they bad. If your mom, if his mama say he trash, he's trash. Baby girl, it up. Don't. If his mama say. Yo, he's the bottom of the... He's scum, fam. Like, scum. Then he's scum. Like, that's it. You know, so it was a lesson. It's basically about that. I mean, there are other notes, but you know, that's one that I took. Um, I watched Mortal Kombat, which is basically about really the level of petty that I aspire to. The level of grudge holding that I aspire to, truthfully, honestly. You know, I wish I could be as great as old boy's great 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 grandfather because, you know, that is that is the kind of vengeance that I that I think is good and is beautiful. That is art. So shout out to them. Um, I remember watching the original Motor Combat a billion times and you know, I'm sure it's probably problematic in some way, but I really fucked with it. I thought it was great. I mean the original as a kid, this one was more you know was a bigger budget. they had a budget, but the budget wasn't all that the budget could have been you know the budget wasn't all that, but i i you know I enjoy her. I was okay. I watched The Falcon and the Winter Soldier, and, or whatever. I watched the whole series. So, like I said, I watched a lot of TV, because I finished uh, Shadow and Bone, and, I well, I did watch, actually, I'm lying. There was something that I watched in April that I loved. There was a King Mato Asada, which, of course, if y'all know me, I watch my trash Spanish TV, like... I love my trash, messy, Spanish novella style shit. And Netflix has a whole lot of it. And that one was crazy. It wasn't like top. Like, I have told y'all about crazier shit. It wasn't as messy as it could have been, but I think that's probably because like a lot of stuff that I see from Spain is like high drama. Like it's the messiest of the messiest of the messiest. It's like shit that I have never like it is so far from real life. It's just as messy as possible. This one is Mexican, so it wasn't that like outlandish. It was messy. It was messy. But it wasn't as messy as you would get on, like, an Elite or a show like that. Um, So I did watch her. And then I watched... Oh, yeah, Vulcan and the Winter Soldier. So I liked it. Okay, so here's the thing. Episode 5 really called... It was called Truth, and it was some real shit. And what I liked about this series... And is that they, they did a good job talking about things that I'm really passionate about, which you know, they, they did a good job of of weaving in racial injustice, particularly that against black people. So there's the Isaiah character who's a black super soldier who was experimented on and then erased when, you know, even though he was the only person to survive his trial, like, erase, like, the whole, like, without consent, uh, the whole without therapeutic intent, the whole, like, they really nailed the use, like, the whole medical experimentation thing on black people and then to just discard him and to have to fake his own death for him to have a chance at living his life out. Um, Really, really beautiful. And then... The conversation between him and uh, Falcon, I found to be really powerful. At least during that episode where he's like, yo, they never going to want a black Captain America. And if they do, why would you want to be... But he said, you know, self-respecting black man would want to be Captain America. And I was like, you better, you better tell him. Tell him. He out here, I, tell him. Um and that whole arc was great that episode was great i don't really buy the resolution quote unquote like they had the the white captain america who was basically like you know this is spoiler whatever but the black the white captain america who was like Basically Homelander from the boys. Like he basically is that I mean I shouldn't do all of that, but he had he reminded me of Homelander, but like a worse version of Homelander. I mean not a worse version of Homelander, but like a more relatable version of Homelander. Like the white Captain America was just mad that he was average and then got when he got his ass beat by black women, he was like, damn, and they not even super soldiers. You know, could not, could not be mediocre, could not rest on the fact that he had nothing special about him, that he was just a hardworking person, that there was no, like, you, you hardworking, but you can't, you ain't really all of that. Could not deal with that, so he cheated and was moved to rage and fits of terror and horror in the name of justice. Right, to avenge a black life. And then like they basically wrote Black Lives Matter in the in the episode. Like the white girl says, you know, this black guy's life didn't matter and he said, Yeah, his life mattered. So basically trying to say Black Lives Matter, I was like, Okay, y'all did a lot here and you're trying to make me like this white man who just murdered another person on like in lot in cold blood, somebody that wasn't even guilty, um, and who cheated and who did all these things. It's not going to happen, sis. It doesn't matter what you write in his character. I'm not going to like it because I know what it is like to deal with white men who cannot deal with, get over the fact that they don't have anything special about them. I know what that is like in real life. And not just white, but, you know, I know what it is like to bump up against classic patriarchy and have to survive that conversation and that interaction. Like, I don't want, I'm not going to like this character. Especially when you have the black captain america who doesn't have any superpowers who just works really hard who works twice as hard right and is a marvel based on his own integrity who was chosen by steve because of this fact you know, when you juxtapose this character against that character, like, fam, like, it's not happening. But they did try on NC's episode six. I All I have to say, I recommend it if you like Marvel, if you like superheroes, I do. I like, you know, all that shit is in my bag. Um, so, yeah, I was pleased in my consumption of art. Aside from that... Life is going pretty well over here for those of you who care. I have the, um, I'm recovering okay. My physical, oh shit, so I almost hit my face with the mic. My physical therapy is going okay it could be going better so i'm trying to you know rectify that because i do want to be doing splits by the summer and summer's here basically so i got like a month or two before i can you know you know bust it down the rest of this country is acting like covid is gone even though in new york there's still thousands of cases a day but, you know, people are ready to, you know, suck dick, to, you know, ride dick outside. To, to People are ready to get it popping. So, I mean, you know, I don't want to be, you know, I want to have my skills there. Even though I don't want, I, I don't know if I'm going to be getting it popping or not, but I want to, I can't have a creaky hip. I can't have a creaky hip in case I do want to get a poppin', you know? So I'm trying to work on that for me, you know? And and aside from all of that, like, jokes aside, I just am such a physical person that when I don't have control over my body in this way, it just really affects me. So I'm trying to get her back. Um, And, yeah, I mean, this week... What I wanted to talk about was um this I guess I wanted to talk a bit. I want to catch us up on like I guess recap the whole human mystery conversation about how the the politic of human mystery being central to understanding our liberatory journey as from a spiritual perspective and then and philosophical perspective and then talk about social artists or you know i want to talk about the art form of relationship the art form of social dynamic the art form of fellowship the art form of facilitation you know the these art forms i wanted to talk about uh so let's i guess get into the shits as a recap you know i've been playing with this idea of mystery which kind of comes from theology right this idea that there is an unknowableness and and something about us that is outside of the outside of the realm of like intellect and just and measurability and i and i and I think that's important because the industrial sort of capitalist framework relies on human beings to perform in the same way as though we were like automated machines at all times and this is a burden that's placed on you know art artists a burden that's placed on all of us like that buy into capitalism as we have to produce this no matter what And it's a style of oppression that trickles into the way we think about ourselves, like, from just an epistemological perspective. Like, when we start talking about ourselves, um, like, what is possible to know about ourselves when people ask us to describe ourselves, when people ask us to speak about ourselves with authority, you know, they expect us to be able to say, yo, I, I like, you know, cheese. And that means 100% of the time that you present me with cheese, I'm going to like this cheese. Which is not really like... I mean, this is obviously a dumb example, but may not be true. You know, I might be drunk, and in which case I probably won't want much dairy in my life, or sick, or whatever. But beyond just something like liking cheese, I mean, it really goes into everything from it, it could it could be as quote-unquote foundational as gender expression it could be sexuality it could be you know vulnerability you know you wake up and I know I wake up and some days I'm more vulnerable to than other days some days I'm more vulnerable to certain things and other days you know the concept of having like thick skin and being tough you know in the construct of masculinity uh this this not being affected this uh you know unaffectedness the if you if we seek to liberate ourselves from that we have to be we have to liberate ourselves from the confines of certainty um, even in self-report, especially when we're talking about the future, I think that there's a lot to be said for your ability to speak about yourself as you are. And that there's something that I don't want to go into that. I think there is a lot there. But, and I, and I want to, also, I'm not saying that the mystery is absolute. I'm not saying that it's like you. nothing about you is knowable. What I'm saying is that all of you the idea that all of you is knowable and describable and measurable and traceable in this sort of regimented scientific, scientifically like methodical way, is something that, I mean, to put it short, is like a is European. Right, it's a very european indigenous if you look at the history and we've talked about that, I think it's something it's a it's an orientation, an ideological or like orientation that made them susceptible to the kind of politic that we that the rest of the world has had to suffer through their hand through like colonialism, you know. Everything from child slavery to what we see today, um, I think' it's, it's just an orientation that is not I wouldn't call it humanistic, but it's indigenous to the kind of, to you know Western Europe. So I'm trying to think about where we are. Okay, yeah, so I just saw an error on my computer. I was worried. So that whole mystery thing is important to me because it's even important about love. Like when you love somebody, like you wanna you wanna feel secure, you want security. But there's also the aspects of who they may become, you know, loving who they may become, being open and 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 um, nutritive to who they are becoming. That mystery of not quite knowing, but still being tied by faith. Like it, the mystery thing is very important to me, um, and it's also like really humbled me in my own healing journey because, you know both healing journey and journey as a healer is like I I, it's the unlearning of the way I was taught from white academic institutions but even beyond that, like just culturally what I thought I needed to survive oh yes, I'll get back to that in a minute but yeah, I needed to survive I wanted to take a moment to plug how the, the old girl that I started the podcast with. She's... I love this kind of content. This, like, internet therapy content. Even though it can be dangerous. But this woman is... uh, Her TikTok handle is island.therapist. And I just loved what she said about about, you know, high-functioning anxiety. I think that a lot of people can resonate with that. And I put the damn bitch double homicide because that whole clip is funny as fuck. But I didn't post it because it's problematic and it may be triggering to folks. So I just, just posted the clip that if you know, you know. Hilarious. Um... But anyway, back to this. So yeah, that's like the mystery conversation. And the reason that I bring it up is that it's part of the role of art, right? And I'm not going to mount my own aesthetics right now because that's a lot of work. And I need to think about, I need to think and read about you know, what kinds of aesthetic I'd like to mount. I do think it's important for me to mount an aesthetic just, like, in my life. And by mount an aesthetic, I mean, like, advance a theory of aesthetics. I mean, I do think I need to do that, you know. And I've been writing about things that I want to write, and I think that is a calling of mine. I just am so intimidated by it because, I mean, Kant's aesthetics and, like, and like all these other people, like, have great aesthetics and, like, you know, whatever. But... All that to be said, like, I think I do need to do that. It's already been present in my work. But, oh yeah, okay, so. Going to, you know, an art, an artist, is someone who constructs or conveys beauty. What is beauty then? And I think my... What I'm going to use today, and I might change my mind, is really influenced by the philosophers that I've read, but also like the way I think about connection and intimacy. Oh, shit. I've been, I'm just fucking up today. I'm spilling shit. It's not, this is not my podcast. Um, is, um. oh, yeah. Okay. So, beauty then. is the the way that we gain access to or despite so i was going to say to each other despite mystery or to the mystery of humanity it is the way we it helps me understand what it is like to be another it helps me it conveys that feeling it taps into that commonality that universality, the familiar yet the unknown it can it's foundational to things like intimacy it allows us to be sensitive and affected it um you know art or beauty is really the phenomenon of being affected by intimacy or via intimacy by a another thing you know by another by some kind of stimulus, and the thing about art is that you have the transformation of material that create that you know constitutes it, but the design of that material is created from nothing or channeled or depending on your how you interact with your art, if you think it is channeled from God or spirit. So the design is new like art is both the the making and transforming of your environment to facilitate intimate intimate engagement with the unknown um such that it remains unknown but is familiar and it's tricky because I mean I'm talking about this in the context of knowing and understanding but These things are feelings, right? Like, that's why I like the word familiar because it is like you recognize it. You, that feeling of finding something lost, that feeling of seeing something familiar, like, it's it's a feeling more than it is knowing, like, a fact. Um, and I think beauty, when it comes to, like, human narrative, when it comes to the human experience, and not even just the human experience, right? The, the beauty of... I think natural beauty is something different than artistic beauty. But to, you know, broach the topic a little bit, I think there is something to natural beauty and connecting us to that as stewards of the land, right? Like of identifying and, and, and recognizing it and building kinship of understanding what it is like to be like a qualia and using like philosophy and all that. So I think all of that is in the is in the, you know, realm of beauty. And I think that there's a shit ton of artists that don't have art forms. And I, I there was a line, and I re- recently read a book called Wayward Lives, Beautiful Experiment. And um, there was a line that Sadia Hartman writes where she says she was nothing, something like nothing more dangerous than an artist without an, without an art form. And I liked that line because not because I agreed about the danger, but I agreed about the. I just liked the idea of an artist without an art form, like these all uh, this like army of creatives, or not army, but just group of creatives. Everyone with the creative spirit, which is potentially everybody, right, with this creative spirit, but doesn't they don't have the skill of rendering tri- art in the traditional art form. And that's the thing, the traditional art forms are sensory. You know, they are, they are visual, they are tactile, they are, they are sonic, you know, auditory, you know, they are culinary, they are, you know, the traditional art forms are sensory, and I think that the discipline and art of the tradition or discipline and craft of the tradition exclude I mean there's a thing such as talent, there's a thing such as natural attitude. like these are things. So people feel like if you can't do these things, then you cannot be an artist. When in fact, the business of you know engaging with human mystery and despite human mystery, uh, the business of building intimacy and of conveying beauty is not limited to the traditional art forms. Like any and all of us should be doing it, you can use a traditional art form. You can engage with. Creation in something like, you know, in something that the traditional art forms govern or like an offshoot of those art forms. But there is a whole art in relationship, there is a whole art of loving, there is a whole art of. Organizing of facilitating conversations such that people find something about, a nuance about humanity that they would not find by themselves. The creation of transformative intimacy the 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 you know bringing in our birthing a new feeling of familiarity around experiences that we could not possibly know you know we only know technically our lived experience we are only intimately familiar with our lived experience even if we know of other experiences and there is you can be a social artist that you might not have an art form but when it comes to this love thing you know how to do it and you see it as your art when it comes to this fellowship thing when it comes to storytelling, when it comes to organizing, oh, you know, this is how you do it. And you don't just do the tasks. When people go to your shows, when they go to your events, they are transformed, they are inspired, they have learned something new. You know, that about. They are affected in a new way. They are sensitive in a new way. You know, it don't gotta be you write a bomb-ass song, you gotta write a bop. And I think that... I say all this to say that in my life, I have been really hesitant to require that everyone in my life be an artist. I... Felt a lot of guilt around that because in some ways I feel like my artistic talent is a privilege. Is a gift. I reflect on my childhood. On my mother giving me a a, a, poet, a journal at 10 years old when she was in college. To get me to put my emotions somewhere. And it Really it's changing my life. I reflect on me being a nerd and reading a dictionary just so I can learn more words. I reflect on me prior than that. Like reading p- plays that she would have in the in the house. I remember she had uh, the misanthrope. Who was that? I'm bugging. I can't remember the uh, playwright. But, you know, in the house now. I read that. And not just that, Um, but I've loved music my whole life. Like, I mean, my whole, all of my memory, I've loved music, like, period. So, in a lot of ways, I just feel like I am blessed. And... I work really hard on my craft. I work really, really hard. And only recently have I figured out how to work. So working hard and working strong, like they say. But there's a way to work for me that really cultivates my musical progression, particularly. Um, and my poetic, like when I'm writing poetry. I still haven't really cracked all of the writing for like other things. But I can write a song, I can write a poem. I, um, yeah, and I never wanted to be a dick. I mean, to truth be told, I just never wanted to be like, nah, you can't hang on me, you don't got no art form, you ain't creative, you gonna bore me to death with some spreadsheets, even though I'm sure there's an art to a spreadsheet. Um, nah, there's probably not. But, you know what I'm saying? Like, you know, not wanting to box people out not wanting to 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 convey to anyone that I think that I am better in any way because I have an art or I have art so but then as time has gone on I realized that status as an artist has helped me survive challenges and not just or rather experience as an artist has helped me survive challenges not just um you know, help me put my emotions and my trauma somewhere. But also, when there have been so much, there's been so much, the pursuit of art has required so much fortitude so much vulnerability, so much imagination for me that it has readied me for a battle that I did not know was coming. And when I talk to people that don't have that relationship with art, I realized that all of the time that I had to fight through stage fright and all of the time that I had to work on improvisation and being part of my community in that, my, the band on stage and being in the moment, all of the criticism of not, you know, particularly if you sing in church, of like needing to minister as your priority, not like just sing perfect notes, you know, like needing to, 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 Like All of that, the worry about how to make art with no money, the fear of people liking your shit or not liking your shit, and people do hate it, people being rejected, but still deciding that even though the world has rejected yourself, in this moment, are you going to continue to do it and continuing and pressing forward? When, When you've made something, it feels like it's a reflection of you, you know, the sensitivity to learn new new sounds, new words, new styles, what it means to collaborate, like all of these things that I thought were just in the context of art, I am finding they are readying me for liberation more broadly. And it's not to say that artists are like, are, you know, artists are just going to be good, right? Because we all know, we all know, if you've ever dated a motherfucking artist, there are artists can be some of the most toxic people on earth. So I'm not trying to say that, you know, we want to know they're artist. What I am saying, though, is that if you can find an artist... Who does not compartmentalize, which is hard because compartmentalization is the way that a lot of us survive. And by us, I mean people broadly in this capitalist, like racial capitalist system. Like when the oppressor moves as the oppressor moves, compartmentalization often feels like the only way. Especially when, you know, in in Western European indigenous culture, that is... Their culture, too, like the compartmentalization is their thing, so it's like it's a mess, you know, for people not of that tradition um but if you can find somebody that who understand holistic to mean a holistic approach to be integrated as an as you know opposite of compartmentalized or comprised of compartmentalized units or whatever, uh, intimacy will come natural. Intimacy will be embraced, will be cultivated. Mystery will be embraced. And I... Imagination will be stoked. Limits that they like. I, I'm not gonna say what I about to say, cause, but things that are, things that look like limitations will be snuffed out. Will be laughed at, and I think for me, in the now that I realize that I look for these things. in a partner, in a friend, in a collaborator, in a community, in a um, a fill-in-a-blank, that what I'm looking for is a social artist. I'm looking for an artist that potentially does not have an art form. And if the artist does have an art form, the artist has not been slaved, you know, has not been... The artist has a praxis of self-healing and a praxis of integration that, you know, knocks down or conquers the temptation to compartmentalize. Temptation or tradition or whatever. And knowing all of this, has helped me reorganize, particularly in this time that I'm in now. You know, in my personal life, I feel like there's a lot of change. That's good, but change nonetheless. And I think that there... I've needed some help reorganizing or reorienting. So, it's good. In short, it's good for me to have this and to embrace what... I understand as my instinct for this... And I and I think that other people I think that everyone should embrace the social artist in you. I think that we all have been prepared. Something has prepared us to 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 step into our art, um, even without us knowing it. I think that you if you're a religious person you have to trust in God. If you're not, you know, just trust in just the the the, the, the 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 correctness of your experience. You know, that everything Has equipped you, there is an art form ready. And even if it's not, you know, a traditional, you have the opportunity to build and usher in nuance in every interaction that you have. You have the opportunity to into find and build beauty in every relationship that you currently have. You know, I think that a lot of people, and I love romance too, but I think that a lot of people put so much into romance because there's no other place where they feel like they can be creative in love, and in relationship. Well, period. Be creative. And even that creativity is informed so heavily by the regime that it's not real creativity. But, you know, if they succeed in making a home, that might be the only thing that they've ever made in their lives. Like, making a home might be it. Making a family might be it. And that's beautiful, right? But if you don't take that intentionality that you learned that you would have honed into or you honed any I guess honed into or honed on or whatever um as an artist you you will create something, but it's a mess, <laughs> and you know it's fine, but It could be better and it could be freeing and liberatory. But aside from that, what I was gonna say, I think so many people experience romance, romantic loneliness so loudly because there is no other place, no other outlet. I think that's the case also for human touch. Like we talked about that and like physical intimacy. But see, even that still ties to intimacy. Which still ties to my construction of beauty, right? Like, so... It's related um, in a lot of ways. I didn't re listen to last week's episode, so I'm sure that I had meant our last episode. So I'm sure that I had meant to talk about something different than I spoke about today. But I just wanted to encourage everyone to embrace their own artists and their inner creative or whatever. And, um, you know, to, to encourage us all to embrace our social artistry. And with that, I'm gonna leave y'all. I'm actually hungry as fuck. I ain't eat. I wanna make this pasta. I wanna make this like sausage shit. And it's, it's gonna slap with some tomato pesto. And I made some tea. Um, and I think I want to have ice cream for dessert. And I think I want to watch some bad TV, even though I think I watched everything. But anyway, much love. I missed you all. I'm happy to be back on the mic. Have a lovely, lovely week, and I'll see y'all in two.